On the day of a European White Club final, in which Leinster rugby team were one of the finalists, I drove to the Leinster countryside. Out of the M50, onto the N4, until I reached the town of Navan. The colour of Leinster rugby is blue, but on my drive there, I didn't see one blue flag or blue jersey, blue bunting hanging out of Leinster's homes. I didn't see anything. I did see signs, though, up in Rateau for the local junior GAA team wishing them well. But all that changed when I arrived at a big grey bunker-like building just outside of Navan Town. Well, hello. Uh, you're very welcome to Navan Rugby Club. Saturday afternoon, the sun is shining. It's the 23rd of May and Leinster are about to kick off in their first ever Heineken Cup final. So come on inside and we'll sit down and we watch the game. Inside the club, members were getting ready for the big game. Okay, on a Saturday morning here, it can be quite hectic. Colin brought me inside to the bar area and spread out on their snooker table a promotional pack from the team sponsors, who happened to be the Bank of Ireland. Between minis and youth rugby, we have an excess of 400. We have uh, players from Oldcastle, from Kells, from Trim, from McBoy, from Dunshockland. Literally, they can come from anywhere. Colm's son Michael was helping him unwrap the goodies. Covered in logos, there was still a way to rally the troops. Finally, I got to see bunting, flags and mysterious pieces of cardboard that you seem to flap. Well, I'm glad we discovered what they're all about. And plain pieces of cardboard that you... Come on, Leinster! ...turn into foghorns. Uh, rugby for me really started when I was a young lad. Uh, I was sports mad and any rugby or, or football on the TV we'd always watch. Uh, I only lived a couple of hundred yards from the rugby club and I happened to be down one Saturday afternoon with a friend of mine kicking a football on the pitch and one of the coaches came over and gave out to us and said if we wanted to kick a ball here to come down the next day and we did and, and that was in 1979. Were your parents a member of a rugby club then? Absolutely not. It was never something that, the, yes, certainly if there were major games, they'd come and they'd support, but it, it was never something that they felt all of a sudden to get into rugby or to get behind it. And your mother? That, my mum, absolutely not. I'm from a large family with seven, seven kids. She didn't have the time to be a rugby mum or a rugby wife. So, in Navan in 1979, a 10-year-old who went to a non-fee-paying local school with a strong GAA ethos began to kick around a rugby ball. Well, I got married in 1970, so it would have been the 70s. Also, though, in 1979... My late husband, Collie Smith, he um, went to a rugby school and then when he left school, he played in Clontarf. He was a front row forward, he played hooker, and he was about 5 foot 10 and very broad and had very little kind of neck. And... um, once he stopped playing, he then became involved on the committee and he was also president of the club. In the wealthy suburbs of Dublin, the ways of the old rugby world went on as always, caught in time like flies in amber. We socialised in the rugby club, all the other young wives and mums as well, you know, and we all brought our children down and they played around the grounds. The, the grounds in Clontarf were lovely and the children played and at but at that stage, when, when um, they were very small, there were no ladies allowed in the bar. We had to sit in the lounge with the um, children. And we got our orange or our drinkies in the, in, the, in the lounge, and the lads were in the bar, and they'd send in crisps and lemonade. And, and we had, they had dinner dances, and we all went to the dinner dances, and they had race nights, and you know, where they, when they were raising money for the club, and they had barbecues in the summer. And this was before rugby became a professional sport, and there was great camaraderie between um, 
all the visiting teams, you know, from Terenure, from Mary's, from whoever they were playing, they never went to a gym. Um, training was done on the pitch in Clontarf, running around the parameter of the of the, and some of them probably getting sick in the corner, you know, from exertion. Maybe a few pints the night before, I don't know. But <laughs> that was in 1979. This was before rugby became a professional sport, and there was no celebrity status. There was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. So 30 years later, that brings us to what exactly? Well. It brings us to this, really. Yes, good evening. You are about to see a truly astonishing game of rugby football. Nobody wore colours. That's the thing I always remember about rugby. This was before rugby became a professional sport. Gordon Darcy with the kick ahead. Dougie Howlett comes across. The classic stereotype is the guy in the the sheepskin coat, and there were lots and lots of sheepskin coats at rugby matches. A lot of things change over time, and an awful lot is going to change over the next ten to fifteen years. On the initial evidence, find themselves back in the Munster half. Amy and Brian are goes up. Yeah, yeah. For Munster, here's Maffy and Earls, and Warwick offered himself, but Earls. Well, there was no celebrity status. There was nothing. Ball winner on the ground and Stringer with a little break. Peter Stringer. Yeah, there's huge interest in the two of them. I mean, they fell papers, everyone wants to scrum half, but they still have the ball. And people who followed rugby tended to be from elite secondary schools. O'Connell goes marauding into the Leinster 22. O'Callaghan on his shoulder and Leinster scurry back to make tackles. Two tribes, ancient foes, on a bid for historic glory. Two tribes, ancient foes, and a bid for historic glory. They're not kidding either. On the day of the 23rd of May 2009, the descriptions of Leinster rugby would make a colour writer for Lord of the Rings fanzine blush. Back in Navin Rugby Club, it was a little bit more down to earth. I went out and brought my goals out and kicked the rugby ball with penalties and drop kicks all over the bar. By now, all the local kids and their parents are in the bar. By the way, it didn't matter if you were a member of the club or not. All were free to pop in and watch the game. The women and the children, as well as the men, were sitting in the bar and all were wearing their blue Leinster jerseys. Some had even gone a bit further. Tell me about your hair. It's blue. My dad dyed it blue for me. We leave them there for a while, just after kick-off, and let's go back to the start of the month of May this year, when it wasn't at all clear that Leinster would be in the European Rugby Cup final, or should I say the Heineken Cup, as everyone seems to just call it, a sponsor's dream. Anyway. Crouch, touch, pause, engage. Tax advisors, medical students, engineering graduates made up the team of women playing rugby on the playing fields of Trinity College, Dublin. Ten years ago, the training coaches for the Trinity Ladies Rugby Team would have been just a little older than those Navin boys. You're Adam. You're their coach. That's Adam. Were you a captain in Blackrock? 
as captain of the schools team, yeah. yeah. What age would you guys be then? I'm 27. And this is Michael. Just gone 24. Okay. So Both passing on the top class rugby training they've received over the years. Yeah, I've been playing since I was about four, five. So the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we've played for a long time. And were you in Blackrock as well? No, I was in St Michael's. And St Michael's oh, is St. a Michael's great, another, great yeah. rugby school, yeah. It's great rivalry. Playing in school days, it was an amazing rivalry to play against uh, Rock and Michaels. Did you ever feel you got brainwashed? You know, you went to the school, you played the rugby, and you're. I guess I grew up. Um, my father played rugby, my uncles, everything like that, and that's how I was raised in a rugby family. And it's the same schools, though. You can see why people get annoyed sometimes. <laughs> it is, but it's what they put into it. Like, um, you know, people send their children to those schools to get you know to play the sport the fathers would I'd say and then the mothers for the education and um, I guess if, if you want to go to the best schools or you want to go get the best education you know that's what they can argue with but I have to say for rugby standards private schools is the best way to go I went to New Park which was uh, mixed and we didn't have a strong rugby team we were in a lower tier of rugby and then I went up to Michaels which only had 95 guys in sixth year but they all played rugby they were all interested in it and all big boys for it so that's Michael and Adam. Like I, I certainly would have had a chip on my shoulder about, um, about class. And yes, that's Paul um, Howard. You know about money. About the thirty-something who know, writes about teenage boys who attended you know, private fee-paying rugby you, schools uh, during the nineteen nineties. And when I became a reporter, you know, I would get the I would get the bus out to Belfield or to Donnybrook or to Skerries, and um, I think it was such a shock to me, uh, such a shock to the system. Uh, to 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 see this world, I, I hadn't really sort of peered into that world before. It was it was completely new to me. There's three attackers, right? Make it a bit easier for you, okay? What about the perception they go, oh, you know each other in rugby and you played rugby, so then you know each other in business, and it continues on into the outer world. I have to say that is slightly true in uh, in business. Um, I know from looking at my father, uh, a lot of his contacts are. Um, from rugby and he does help out a lot of his friends but there's a very giving community in rugby uh, it, but it's good rugby's good for business you know but they, they would come to the games these Willow Park kids and uh, and it wasn't just Willow Park a lot of the schools would have their feeder schools and they would have them they were like a, a sort of, they would have them for cheerleading support and they would wear big outsize shirts long sleeves and uh and there'd be banks and banks of them, and they would chant, "You can't knock the rock! You can't knock the rock!" Well done, Ivor. Good offload. Next. There's, it's no eliteness. It, it's just the illusion of it. Like we have it in school, where we're so young that we don't realise what we're saying and what we're doing. But when, as you get older and you get past into your 1920s twenties and onwards, that illusion fades, and there's no Ross and Carol Kelly anymore. There's just you know. You, me, and the next person. But you brought it up, so the Russell Carroll Kelly thing is... Yeah, I used to work with uh, Paul Howard a lot. Um, I uh, was the marketing manager of the Sunday Tribune a couple of years ago. And uh, Ross is very dear to my heart. I've, um, it, I, I think it's a brilliant... Um, it captures uh, a part of Dublin brilliantly. 20 years ago, the author of Russell Carroll Kelly was in his local Christian Brothers school, only three miles away from Blackrock College, kicking around a football in the yard there. You know, probably in a fit of pique, I, I went away and created this character, Ross O'Carroll Kelly, who did all of the things that I imagined school's rugby players did and found out subsequently that they did because uh, people were queuing up to tell me afterwards that, you know, you got that spot on, that was spot on, we did that in our senior year. Quite often they will see their friend Tune in, in the books, but they won't see themselves. 
Um, when I was there, he was on his... You don't think you were inspiration or anything No, like God, that? no. God, no. <laughs> Not at all. I'd be far too quiet and shy for him. Uh, he, he does a brilliant thing. I don't he, think so. He, he used to... <laughs> thanks, thanks. Paul had a, uh, had a brilliant idea, and he just listened to people and how they talk, and it was mainly 16, 17, 18-year-olds. But I don't think that there's an elite cocoon for uh, rugby and everybody else. At the same time schoolboy Paul Howard was kicking his football, Navin Rugby Club, like a lot of the country, was struggling. Back in the, back in the 80s here, when we developed our, our, the clubhouse we had previous to this, we, we ran a disco in it. Actually, Scrum's nightclub was the disco or the nightclub we ran in it. And at the time, it was the only disco in town. And the club was generating quite a lot of income, and things looked very rosy. We extended the clubhouse, we put on new dressing rooms, Everything was going well, and then suddenly the Ardboyne Hotel opened and the Beachmount Hotel in town opened a nightclub, and the club went from being the only disco nightclub in the area to suddenly competing with the established hotels, and the income just went overnight. So far, so familiar. And I think for throughout the 80s and, and, and even in the early part of the 90s, we spent a lot of our time servicing debt. Still familiar repaying bank loans even more familiar uh, we had a drain on people emigration was a huge issue the income wasn't around sponsorship was the thing of the past, uh, the thing of the future so we had a tough time of it but when the the land was bought out here to build the clubhouse back in the, the 60s in fairness to the people at the time the custodians if you'd like of the club they looked after the next generation because they bought a lot of land around and then when it came to redeveloping this club, we were able to sell off some of the land and use it to build the facility we have here without actually having any borrowings or any mortgage on it. So our, our previous generation looked after the current generation very well. I'm starting to think there's more to rugby than just rugby itself. I think it was always there. Um, I did. I covered a match back in the late 1990s. It would have been around maybe 1997, 1998. You know, once you move outside of, of Donnybrook or outside of Earshot of, of Kylie's and Donnybrook, Alansdown Road, etc., you're moving away from, from what would be Leinster. And um, the, the Celtic Tiger thing was just starting to kick in. Like people, there was a sense that something was happening, that people had more money. And, uh, and, I, and you could certainly see it at those those schools matches there are no recognised if I can use that term uh, playing rugby schools in the area I would have been about 26 26 years old now there are quite a lot of schools to play rugby in Dundalk in in Drogheda in Navan uh, so there are quite but they've only come along and really developed in the last number of years and there was one chant that one particular school had, and it was, uh, we're rich, and we know we are. We're rich. If you look at it, we have an under-13 team this year who, who literally swept the board. Uh, they entered five competitions, and they won all five competitions. In the final of two of the competitions, they played Black Rock. One of them was a tight game, and then the second time they played them, they bet them by over 50 points. And these were kids of maybe, you know, 13, 14 years of age. Black Rock now get into a stage where rugby is everything. 
you have players who are on personal development courses, there may be training is involved five days a week, etc. Navin, we're a club, our players go to different schools, etc. We train twice a week. If we were a boarding school or if we were a day school and it was all the focus was on rugby, 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 you must remember in somewhere like Black Rock, kids are put into Black Rock by parents because it's a school that plays rugby and that's where they want the kids to shine in the rugby field. I think that's what really struck me. They were acutely aware that they were different and, it, you know, I mean, this is in a, in a sort of cartoon way that they were a kind of master race. Let's go! Are you enjoying your sweet, are you? Yeah. What are you all? What age are you all? I'm ten. Ten. And you're enjoying playing rugby here? Yeah. Every Saturday morning, isn't it? Yeah, it's finished for the, for the year, but um, going on September. The European Cup final between Leicester and Leinster is now well underway. An Asian screen was hired in for the day and the gang of 10-year-olds are lined up in front of it, eating sweets, drinking Coke, all wearing their blue jerseys. We play, we play Gaelic football in Ireland. And you are crap. And do you play rugby in school? Um, no, no. Our, our school hates rugby and they don't like the word fun. Their attention never wanders from the game and the players. But I wonder, despite their interest and perhaps talent, how will they compete against the facilities of the private fee-paying schools? Like, you need, like, loads of scholarships and everything to go to Blackrock and all, so, like, no points. Like, go to NAV and work your way up to Leinster squad, then go to Ireland. At the start of May, nobody knew who'd be in this final. Not any of the ten-year-olds, or Colin from Navin Rugby Club, or Adam, or Michael, or Paul Howard, and not even Tom McGurk. Today, it's the Battle of Croker. Two tribes, ancient foes, and a bid for historic glory. On the day of the European Rugby Club semi-final, two Irish rugby teams, Munster, and as we know, Leinster, ended up playing each other. In Croke Park, a place until a few years ago didn't even allow a rugby ball on its grounds. Yes, good evening. You are about to see a truly astonishing game of rugby football. Croke Park has witnessed some great old islands, but Munster against Leinster has to equal any of them. With a world record crowd of 82,000 for a provincial match, here are your match commentators, Ryan Nugent and Ralph Keyes. As Leinster and Munster stand and wait. I think it was tribal. That's it. All the talking over. Friendships parked, battle lines drawn, and the mother and father of family feuds is about to get underway. It's pitched then as a battle between two ancient foes. I don't know how long Munster and Leinster have been mortal enemies, and I wonder, is that where the divisions in rugby really are? All the talking over. Friendships parked, battle lines drawn, and the mother and father of family feuds is about to get underway. At the same time Paul Howard was going to his local CBS, rugby commentator Ryle Nugent attended Blackrock College. No, I did, I, did, I did think about that line before, before I got underway. I was just trying to describe what it was like and, and I do believe it was, it was like I said, two, two families going to war and, and not just on the pitch but, but in the terraces and in the stands as well. And yes, Munster and Leinster may well run into each other in a Heineken Cup even in a final in years to come and that will be special. But because it was in Croke Park, it was a very Irish day. 
In Limerick, this very Irish day began with a mass for the Munster team. Outside the St Augustinian Church, the story of Munster rugby was told once again. It's, you know, they used to say years ago that it was played by doctors and dockers. You know, and it wasn't the same. It was more or less um, a middle-class sporting thing in in, um, in Leinster, where everybody was, you know, had could aspire to playing rugby in Limerick. And no matter where you go, you see young babies in prams wearing Munster colours, and old men like myself wearing the colours. And that's what uh, that's what makes it. So spectacular, you know. Later on that day, I meet a younger Munster fan. Where, where, do, you, where do you come from, you guys? Um, Kerry, but um, I'm up visiting... The Not in Munster, but in Kylie's pub in Donnybrook, okay, so Dublin 4. Especially for the match. Yeah, I came up yesterday because there's no trains. There was no ticket up or down on, today, on Saturday. Like. <laughs> and do you play it yourself? Uh, I, I, I used to, but I, I, I messed up my back a while back and it... it my brother knows. My my brother's a, he plays with the local team back home, and he's he's on. He he was in the trials for the West Monsters and Monster Cadets there recently. So he's much better than I could ever dream to be. But the reality of it is, whoever wins today, in the end, like Irish rugby will win out anyway. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah. No, I, did, I just mean when you were there with your two red shirts on, you the minute you come in the door, you expect to see a load of blue. Well, we, we won't be. We, we yeah. We won't be starting any arguments. We're, just, we're, we're, we're sick of the arrogance coming out of some of these Munster supporters. We're, 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 we're in Kylie's, the heart of Leinster rugby territory. And we have two guys who probably never even picked up a ball in their lives in Munster jerseys. And that epitomises the Munster fan base. They don't know their rugby, but they love a winner. That's a terrible thing to say. I just talked to those two guys. And one of them plays rugby, and his brother plays rugby for Munster, or for a junior squad. Junior squads, they have plenty of junior squads down in Munster. That's how they get so good. So sure, we've all played, we've all had our, we've all had our day in the sun. But you know, at the end of it, we come down and we support our team. Okay, so um, what uh, what school did you go to? Or what did you play for? Oh God. Uh, which, I don't know, it'd be incriminating. So it's also, it's one of the top six in Leinster, yeah. Okay. And to be well known for rugby, and would have developed. Plenty of Irish stars and Leinster stars. Why don't you want to say your school? No, but our school wouldn't want it. They, they, we're very well-behaved boys, and we, we don't want to put them under. You know? And did you play uh, rugby in school? We did, yeah, we all did. Yes, number fifteen. I'd be a winner. I'd be In Navan, all eyes are on the Leinster team as they went head to head with Leicester Rugby Club. I suppose it's not a spoiler now to say Munster didn't win that semi-final. At one stage, Luke Fitzgerald, who attended Blackrock College, was in possession of the ball. Like, you know, you look at someone like Luke Fitzgerald, who's, I think it was the uncle played for Ireland, so he would always have been groomed from Ward Gold. The point I made earlier about selecting to go to a particular rugby playing school because the rugby was there, he was going to be a rugby player, whether he liked it or not, maybe he'd make the grade, maybe he didn't, and he has made the grade. And the way you see it is you see you play together in school and then you know the you see the guys from your school playing up in Leinster and it just kind of reinforces the whole thing is that you know you're watching your mates 
like guys like Luke Fitzgerald, only a year older than us, and like we would have been playing against him, you know, and, and Keen Healy as well. Uh, so you know, it's great to actually see see those guys come through, and you know, they're your enemies when you're playing the school. Once they're on the pitch in the Leinster, you know, it's brilliant to see it. Like, if it's about a class thing, like if you see the, the main people who come from these Munster, the main guys who come through, it's the same system as we have. In, in Leinster is that they come, they come from private schools in Munster you know like I think well, exactly and Cork Con PB uh, Prez like it's, it's they've done great to actually formulate this kind of brand of we're the working class men we're the honest hard grafters when in fact when you look at it there's very little to prop that up and I suppose that's they buy into but in terms of you know the schools and being you know posh shows whatever it doesn't really have much foundation. Like we'd have, we'd have as many guys coming through from the schools as they would, you know. It's not absolutely scientific, I know. In in Munster, we're very much club based. In Leinster, they're very much schools based. But I came upon another of that rare breed in Kylie's, a Munster fan. And very much Munster rugby is rooted in the club. Oh come on! Like there are plenty of private rugby playing schools in Munster. And that in itself makes a certain divide. It's clear that, in the story told, Leinster is defined by what it is not. Whereas down in Munster, it's, it's more grassroots. Obviously there are more in Leinster, but I've heard some past pupils of some of those privately educated schools in uh, Munster suggest that this is not part of who they are or where they're from. Well, I went to a private school, which is based in Munster, and I don't see the arrogance. There's a certain irony in that. Okay, so when you think of Munster, what do you think of? So are the main lines in Irish rugby a mythical distinction between the rough-hewn savages of Munster and the fancy-pants private schoolboys of Leinster? Turnip eaters comes to mind, but I'm just going to say they're a horrible brand. They're a horrible brand. They've got nothing else to do down there. uh, They've got nothing else to do down there, and this this is their life. They give everything to it. I'm not sure if they're talking about their private school counterpoints. Who appear dressed as red, they paint their face red. Or the Munster fans. Last time, the last semi-final, where we got hockeyed by Munster and they really gave us a good scene to, you know, we were in the schoolboy terrace and that's, that's developed between the schools, so it would be equal enough, it shouldn't be too much going on. But, you know, we were, getting, we were getting serious abuse from Munster fans all around us. What and were they saying? Oh, nothing too harsh, but you know, you're poshos, you're pretty boys. And, and the final time. word? Yeah. Are you all in college or? Yeah, we're yeah. all in business. We've got to get the country up from its knees, the Leinster boys. You're the driver. We're going to go down Langsey Road, straight through Balls Bridge. For the day of the semi final, Kylie's Pub in Dublin 4 was offering a round trip by bus to Croke Park. With a free pint of, yes, you've guessed it, Heineken thrown in. And up Gardner Street, as far as Summer Hill. Gardner. Record, so, like, I mean, 82,300 people at a club game. I noticed the young Munster fan in his red jersey is on the bus. Otherwise, it's... We're, we're season supporters here. Okay. Yeah. Myself and Trev. Well, what's the plan for the day? What, did you have a few drinks already? Or are you... No, we're in Kylie's. We're getting the bus. We're going to Croker and get the bus back, back to the south side. First time in Croker. Never had the necessity. No, it's just a monster bandwagon. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> well, Tricko said it in Nindo during the week that if, if you're not from if if if, if you're not from um, D4 or from the Pale, that everybody oh, supports. God supports Munster. Oh, really? Mm. So, well, I mean, there's still this perception then that Leinster, is, Leinster rugby is D4 rugby. Yes. Would you agree with that? Of course I would. Why, do you live in a good school in D4 and all Wes, that? yeah. <laughs> Wes. Wes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you play rugby? Yes. Then? Okay. 
And Paul Howard was on Morning Ireland yesterday morning saying Leinster rugby exists just between Donnybrook and Fox Rock. Yes. You agree with this? Yeah, but it's crap. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like that, but it is. Is it still? Yeah, it is. Yeah. What do you mean? No, no more. <laughs> no more about that. So the top of the double decker is full of season ticket Leinster fans. We're on our way to the Leinster match. Um, <laughs> we're on a Dublin City bus. <laughs> The children of those Dublin rugby clubs from the 1970s. My dad used to play rugby for Ireland 20 years ago, 30 years ago even, in the 1970s. Look, the, the way that the, the, the game was structured in this country before professionalism came along was that it was predominantly through the school system and schools rugby is enormous in this country. Again, whatever province uh, you happen to be uh, in. Particularly Leinster. No, the schools game is extremely important to the people of Munster as well, whether it be CBC or PBC or whoever it might be. There aren't the same maybe number of schools involved in the Senior Cup as there would be in Leinster at the top level. And the Blackrock Colleges, Terraneurs, Old Belvedere, St Mary's are the predominant schools uh, in Leinster. But the schools game is, is where it was based. And yes, that is where the majority of the players come from. Uh, the Munster bus just went by. It was a big red bus. But, uh, obviously, it got their spirits up, you know, to see the team before the game. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. Police escort Munster team. Yeah, closed off the road. And now look through a traffic jam. They've already made it through with the escort. And we're stuck in traffic. Where's our police escort? Yeah. Are the players coming through? Yes. In addition to that, the IRFU have been very strong, I think, on trying to get outside of that system. And remember, the professional game is still a baby in this country. It's only 10, 11 years old. Um, and and therefore, the structures are finding their feet as they go along. <laughs> Out of the Leinster team that day, 11 who played were Irish. Oh, because we get abused for doing the whole Leinster. Leinster. We've got great But there are players coming from other areas. There are players already playing predominantly in Munster that don't come from uh, the traditional private school background, but there are also players in Leinster that have come through on that. We've got great tunes. Monty Malone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's us. The that one. And they're brilliant. Only and one hadn't gone to a private fee-paying rugby school. Constantly this week. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be louder in the fields of Athen Right. It's a great tune. That's right. Shane Horgan. Shane Horgan is a, a, a perfect example of someone who, who didn't uh, come from the traditional background. What's happening? Leinster have got a try and they've got a conversion as well and the try was from Jamie Heasler and the conversion was by John, Johnny Sexton and he put it over the bar and now it's 16 all They introduced uh, an areas cup this year for the provincial teams and the provincial clubs it was the Shane Horgan Cup and what we it's had called what? the Shane Horgan Cup uh, are affection, affectionately known as the Shaggy Cup after uh, Shane, the, the Leinster winger and the Irish winger. He's so unusual they called the cup after him, though. Well, you could, you could possibly say that. Uh, maybe he put up Shane Horgan, who was born near Drogheda, didn't go to a rugby school and, as a teenager, even played Gaelic football. What the Shane Horgan Cup really means for, for us is it, it gives our 
promising young players a chance to be grouped with other promising young players in the area, being Dundalk, Boyne, etc. And it gives them an opportunity to be assessed and to be coached by some of the top Leinster coaches and to be noticed. Now Leinster, in fairness, again, in an effort to try and, and break the, the, the Dublin hoodoo or the Dublin perception, Earlier on this year, they held a training session down in Avon. The whole Leinster squad came down in the summer and they had one of their pre-season training sessions in town. Did Brian O'Driscoll come down? Brian O'Driscoll wasn't down. Some of the guys were away. But the squad that they brought down, they stayed on afterwards for about, I'd say, an hour, an hour and ten minutes. And they signed one by one autographs for every single child, adult, player, etc. that was here. And it was Absolutely. I don't think there's anything Well, there isn't now. But you've got to remember what you're dealing with. If you go back 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Why not? It, because that was just the way it just didn't happen. We're down here and we were in Navin back then. Back on the bus, the lone wolf Munster fan attempts to sing the fields of Athenry. If you look at the geographical spread of the players, it's quite interesting that there's, you know, there's a player in the in the Leinster squad from Louth, um, Gordon Darcy is from Wexford, um, Shane Byrne, who played for years, is from Wicklow, but it's more the background I think that that sort of uh, uh, that's that's that tells on them. Oh, def- absolutely, Jeannie Mackey. You, you couldn't not. You know, it would have been, it would have been, uh, it would have been insanity not to be swept away by the, by the madness that was the schools' cup at the time, and it and it gave you a sense of who you were and where you were from. And I think the elite secondary st- schools are still. Rugby seed bed. <laughs> you asshole. Oh, welcome to Dublin. They're throwing things at people. <laughs> Look, they don't even, they can't even afford windows. Hanging out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they're going to look The young Kerry man looks happy to get off the bus. Not everyone is as pleased. What? The tenure to get dropped halfway to the gig. <laughs> this is as near as it gets, is it? Are you sure we don't need our passports for this side of the city now, Bill? Summerhill is a 10-minute walk from Croke Park. Who are you supporting? The boys have blue capes tied around their shoulders and have even painted their faces blue. Can I say hello? Yeah. Can I go? Go on, Leinster! Come on, Leinster! Come on, Leinster! These 10-year-olds obviously don't feel they need a passport to support Leinster. And then, around the corner, Croke Park. So this is it then, the epic battle between Munster and Leinster, country and city. Kerry Manzu, Kerry Manzu. <laughs> Where are you from? Chile. Chile. Munster through and through. Okay, Munster through and through. Aye, Munster yes. through and through with Limerick, born and, and bred. And do you live in Dublin? No, no, thank God. <laughs> Did you come up today? No. no. Yesterday. Oh, You're with the revenue, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the oil. <laughs> if you had to describe Leinster, how would you describe it? Girls. <laughs> girls. Well, they are girls. They could play not just. Is it girl like? Do we ever pause to a one like? Oh yeah, fat girls in Wrangler jeans and all that. Yeah, but you know they just want pink shirts and to play for Toulouse. Really, that's in their heart and soul. All right, we're going to no, go. Yeah, we're going to go. We came up all the way from 
Uh, Limerick. Cork. Cork. Unreal. Like, it's just, it's great unreal. Great sporting occasion. Unreal. That's a great sporting occasion. It's all been bubbling down to this for the past couple of years. Uh, this just this morning. Okay, up this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Monsters. Bit feminine, soft. Yeah. They'll stay with us for 60 minutes. Okay. And after that, we'll kick the. We'll beat them. As we know now, their hubris was premature. And the winner that day, to much surprise, was the Leinster team. Had Munster won again and gone on to win another Heineken Cup or potentially win another Heineken Cup, that monkey would have sat on Leinster's backs for many, many uh, years to come. Uh, I have to say that despite what everyone thought, Leinster just shone through today. It was absolutely brilliant. They've done the province proud. Everyone, everyone had them wiped off the slate from the start, but I have to say they were just absolutely brilliant. They, they needed to win it to make the game competitive again, that it wasn't all going to come from one side. Ryan, Ryan played just out of the skin today. I'm just really proud of him. But in order for there to be some sort of parity on the island in terms of of where the Kings currently reside in, in rugby, I, I felt it was really important for a Leinster to win it. In 10 years, Leinster has developed to this, you know, final of a Heineken Cup, all these kids here. This wasn't us. When we grew up, we didn't associate with Leinster as a team. We didn't want Leinster jerseys. We didn't want to come out and support Leinster. So that's happened in 10 years. So the question now is, what will happen in the next 10 years? There are 12 counties in the province of Leinster. It's a bit like uh, South African rugby where there are all calls to have a lot more coloured players involved in the national team and they've pulled quotas in places. You can't put quotas in place and say that we need X amount from County Mead, from West Mead or whatever the case may be. But the acknowledgement is there that there's a vast pool of players that we need to develop and we need to bring forward. And I think the next 10 years are going to show that. Besides Dublin, there is Carlow, Kildare, Kilkenny, Leash, Longford, Louth, Mead, Offaly, Westmead, Wexford and Wicklow. If you look at even, say, if you take at Leinster Senior Rugby and if you look at the All-Ireland Divisions, in the last 10 years, out of Leinster, Carlow, Setonians, Barnhall, Nace and Navan have all gone up and gained senior status at the expense of existing senior clubs. So that's the start. Well, Monkstown, Scaries, etc. So for us, that, 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 there's the start of it. Up until this year, they did, the Leinster fans really didn't have a huge amount to cheer about. Um, they didn't have any signature performance that they could look at and say, you know, a, a rallying point like Munster have. And now since they beat Munster, uh, it's different. They've got it. They've got that kind of rallying point. They can all look to that day. I think it's good. I think it's going to be a huge... Um, I think it's going to be a huge change now because of because of that that one match. A week after that semi final, Leinster, the triumphant team, had a glitzy black tie night at the Burlington Hotel in Dublin Four. We are here covering the event tonight for the Evening Herald. So we're doing a big spread on Monday about tonight's Leinster rugby ball. So, so Hanging around the marble the foyer. I'm waiting for Brian and Amy, of course. Um, Is that the photograph you were waiting for? Yeah, well, they're the kind of celebrity couple amongst the bunch, so that's kind of what the readers will be looking to see, what Amy's wearing tonight. Yeah, there's huge interest in the two of them. I mean, they sell papers, everyone wants them, and they don't go out that often as a couple and appear together. You know, it's very hard to get them to pose for a picture, so obviously it's a great coup when you can get them. The Leinster team with their girlfriends walked quickly past, mostly refusing to pose for the photographer. 
But you're like, Amy and Brian are gold dust. Amy and Brian are gold dust, yeah, yeah. Amy Huberman and Brian O'Driscoll never showed up that night. That time, the press went home disappointed. But whether the team likes it or not, the old rugby world is gone, replaced by the rules of celebrity and commerce and the mass media. Brian O'Driscoll. The children in Navin's rugby club certainly had their heroes. Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, Rocky Elsom. Brian O'Driscoll. Elsom. What? Every home in the country is a TV. If they don't see this live because it's on a pay-per-view, they'll see the highlights of it later on, they'll see it on the news, they'll see it repeated on the news on Sky 24 hours a day. They're being exposed for it. Kids are more into their teams, supporting. They want the jerseys, they want the autographs, they want the books, whatever the case may be. It's just going to continue and continue to grow and change. Look at them all wearing the Leinster jerseys. And this is what I say, when you walk around Navand and dark places like that, this is what you see. And this is where Leinster now belongs to these kids. And this is the next generation that go up. Yes, I do believe that Leinster rugby, if you're talking specifically about Leinster rugby, will not just be... Uh, a group of players who have come from the current crop of what are again described as as the private school system in in this province. I think that's already started to happen. Do I think that they will predominantly still come? Probably. Um, But again... It is a that it, that that is sheer weight of numbers. There there are that many playing through the private school system in this province that it is only natural that many of those will go on to uh, to fill the, the Leinster jerseys over the, the next uh, generation or two. When Leinster, the first-time finalists in the European Cup final, actually win, about 30 10-year-olds pile on top of each other in chaotic excitement. Leinster won! Leinster won! What? You're delighted? Oh, yeah! If you're 10 and want to play rugby for Ireland one day, is it enough to be just really good at rugby? The man who kicked the winning score was Johnny Sexton, with family from Kerry, but playing for Leinster, who went to a private school, St Mary's, in Dublin 6. Scoring a penalty from 40 metres, he was undoubtedly one of the heroes, but funnily enough, he wasn't getting much mention from the Navin boys. Maybe the lines in rugby need to be redrawn. Ten years of hearing that the great division in Irish rugby is between Munster and Leinster, when really, maybe, it's between Dublin and the rest of Leinster between the amateur clubs and the private schools. Before I left Navin Rugby Club, the little boys all ran out onto the pitch to play their own game. As they played, the name being chanted was not O'Driscoll or Sexton or Jamie Heathslip, but not Munster or Leinster, not school or club, an outsider to all that. Future name Rocky Elson. So Rocky's the hero. Yeah, yeah, Rocky. yeah. Rocky. But Rocky isn't even from uh, Leinster. Yeah, but I don't care. He plays for Leinster, that's all. <laughs> that's all we care about. And why do you like Rocky so much? Because, because he's big. He's strong. He's a bloody tank. An Australian who was bought in by the IRFU for a season. Man of the match for Leinster's biggest game ever. 
and there's a certain irony in that. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.